Hey there, I'm Christopher Schoenwald, and welcome to Life As A, a show intently focused on helping people find their professional pathway by exploring and unearthing the details of jobs from around the world. Before we get into today's episode, I just want to throw this out there. I have a channel over on YouTube, lifeasa. which basically hosts highlights from these audio conversations that I have with these great guests. They typically run 10 to 15 minutes, and they're there to kind of present a different vantage point. You know, for people that aren't into audio, aren't into podcasts, but are still looking for career advice, ideas, help, all that great stuff, send them over to YouTube. Like I said, life as a dot dot. And if you do get over there, I would love, love, love that like or subscribe. I mean, it's the best way to let that algorithm know that the content is worth sharing and should be out there. So anyway, I do thank you for letting me plug this a little bit, but I think it's about time to get into today's episode. When considering what goes into successful careers and businesses, you'd be hard-pressed to convince me, or more importantly, others, that it doesn't start or stop without examining the role of one's personal reputation. You see, who you are, or at least perceived to be, is what ultimately fuels things like promotions, new sales, new business, and new opportunities. And without that strong personal brand, which is what the cool kids are calling it these days, good luck. Well, fortunately, there are tactics anyone can apply to take control of their own brand narrative and kickstart their careers or business. On today's episode, we're all so incredibly lucky as we have one of the most recognizable and preeminent personal branding experts, Naliza Licht, lined up to dish on the topic. Her voice is trusted by the biggest brands, publications, and institutions out there, as you'll soon learn. And the conversation will deliver modern looks at personal branding within digital spaces, corporate structures, and everything in between. Plus, you'll get a few actionable tips you can put to use immediately. I've got to say, in the spirit of what life as a has come to represent as far as career exploration and empowerment, I couldn't be more thrilled to welcome you into this discussion. However, before we jump into it, let me more formally introduce her to you and we can get started. Aliza Licht is an award-winning marketer, best-selling author, podcaster, personal branding expert, and career development coach. As the founder of Leave Your Mark, a multimedia brand and consultancy, she leverages over 25 years of marketing communications and digital expertise from the fashion industry to advise businesses and individuals on brand strategy. In 2009, as an early adopter and one of the first fashion influencers, she created and was the voice of the anonymous social media phenomenon, DKNY PR Girl, an award-winning personality with over 1.5 million fans worldwide. And her reveal as the person behind the Twitter handle generated over 230 million media impressions. That online presence led to her first book, Leave Your Mark, Land Your Dream Job, Kill It in Your Career, Rock Social Media, which delivers global career mentorship and advice. It ranks on Book Authority's 100 Best Career Development Books of All Time every year, and has been translated into multiple languages and is required reading for many communications majors in U.S. universities. In 2019, Leave Your Mark's success inspired the launch of her podcast by the same name, which has garnered over 1.2 million downloads to date. 
and she is proud to be recognized as one of America's top mentors by the New York Times and Business Insider's top 20 most innovative career coaches. Her second book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception, is a comprehensive guide to personal branding. As a keynote speaker, Aliza's talk on establishing your personal brand at work to drive success and corresponding workshops leave audiences focused on professionally leveling up and understanding how they're being perceived. Aliza is regularly featured in the media as an on-air talent and subject matter expert. Her appearances include Good Morning America, The Today Show, E!, Bloomberg, Cheddar, Good Day New York, and more. She's also contributed to articles in the Harvard Business Review, The Wall Street Journal, Time, Fast Company, Forbes, and countless other media outlets. So with all of this noted, here is my conversation with Elisa Licht. Yeah, so welcome to the program. How are you doing today, Elisa? I'm doing great, Christopher. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, likewise. You know, it was a, a pure pleasure getting into to the research and your background and what you're all about. And there's certainly a treasure trove of information online, obviously about personal branding. And uh, yeah, like I said, really keen to get into it all today with you. Let's do it. Yeah. I do have the first segment lined up. It's something called Coloring Wikipedia. And as my listeners know, it's just a segment where I read off a definition related to what the guest is all about. Surprise, surprise. I did go here with uh, personal branding. So let me just read that off. This is a definition coming from Wikipedia. And then after, you can give your comments. Sound okay? Yeah, great. All right. So here we go. Personal branding. Personal branding is the conscious and intentional effort to create and influence public perception of an individual by positioning them as an authority in their industry, elevating their credibility, and differentiating themselves from the competition to ultimately advance their career, widen their circle of influence, and have a larger impact. A bit of a mouthful, but, but all the same. Mouthful, all accurate. I wouldn't argue. I would add one thing. Okay. To me, the definition of having a personal brand and shaping your narrative strategically and being able to communicate it to your network is that people talk about you when you're not in the room and think about you for opportunities that other people haven't heard of yet. I like that. It's a, it's a fine distinction, but a really critical one to really wrap your mind around. You know, it can really change the way that you approach things by incorporating that sort of uh, nuanced look at it. Most definitely. Was there anything there yes. that you de-emphasize, perhaps? I'll say that, like, you know, at the end of the day, a lot of people wait for people to recognize their value, right? People wait for their boss to want to promote them. People wait for an opportunity. And the truth is that so much of that is dependent on how we actually steer that ship. So that's why if you've, if you've done that work, which is what I help you do in my book on brand, if you've done that work then you are giving people the tools to be able to essentially be your publicist. I love that. One, one other quick question in, in regards to this definition. Would you say that it's changed a lot over time? Like with the, we're probably going to get into this later, but digitization of, you know, of, of branding itself and, and putting ourselves out there versus, you know, back in the old days where it was a lot of traditional networking, in-person events and whatnot. So it's a great question, Christopher. And actually, when I wrote on brand, I made a conscious effort to spend half the time really emphasizing on the digital aspects of personal branding and the other half really focused on the in real life aspects because you can have an incredibly strong personal brand 
and not be online at all, right? It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not, it's, it's not about being an influencer or a celebrity. It's really about being able to answer the question yourself, like, what do you want to be known for? And then how do you make sure other people know that about you? And that can be in any single medium, certainly been amplified with the age of digital and us being able to sort of have these tools to do that for ourselves. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's a blessing and a curse in some ways. Absolutely. All right. Well, this might be an opportune time as well to hear a little bit more about you and your background. Certainly, I read off your bio off the top to give listeners a, a good idea. I mean, you sound like a busy, busy individual. You know, obviously, you have your multimedia branding consultancy, your podcast, your career coach, a speaker, a couple of books, best-selling books, I might add. How would you bring it all together to uh, introduce yourself to, to listeners? Thanks for that. I would say at the heart of it all, I'm a storyteller, whether I'm telling somebody else's story or my own. My background is in fashion. Prior to my background in fashion, I studied neurobiology and physiology in college. I was pre-med. Wow. So yeah, no, it's shocking, but true. And I did all the things. I took the MCATs. I did plastic surgery internships. I wanted to be a plastic surgeon. And then in the 11th hour in college, decided that I wanted to work in fashion at a fashion magazine. Wow. So my, my career is really the devil wears Prada. Like literally that's how I started my career in magazines. And my first book, Leave Your Mark, I like to think of as the devil wears Prada meets career advice. So fashion luxury in the nineties at, you know, Harper's Bazaar magazine and later Mary Claire, and then moving over to corporate communications at Donna Karen in the late nineties and really just getting my feet wet in this idea of how do you create brand awareness? And so my career, my entire career has been about creating brand awareness and especially working in heritage brands, right? Like how do you keep on making something that's been around relevant? And I guess, you know, my story later on in my career of creating DKY PR Girl, which for those listening who don't know what this is, DKYP Girl was really a social media personality that I created in 2009 when I was the SVP of Global Communications at Donna Karen. It was inspired by Gossip Girl and it was anonymous. So no one really knew that it was me. And that really was one of the first examples of fashion influencer, even though we didn't know that word at the time. And again, storytelling through Twitter. And creating, you know, really putting the brands through the lens of a PR girl living in New York City, very fly on the wall, giving behind the scenes scoop into areas that the public was never invited into, like what goes on in award season behind the scenes, like how do celebrities choose their dresses? What happens at a fashion show? How does a fashion show, who decides who sits in the front row? So all those little very juicy tidbits. Yeah very much part of my narrative. But again, it's just all figuring out how to tell the same story in new and interesting ways because repetition is reputation. I'd like to rewind just a second here. You know, I have this segment, uh, a Pathways one. I think you sort of just spelled it out to a degree. But what was this shift there between like maybe going towards med school? I'm, I'm guessing that fashion was always a passion for you, but all the same, what was the ultimate pull that made you to, you know, choose that, that fork in the road? at that point? Yeah, that's a great question. So I grew up in the 80s. I grew up with my room wallpapered in fashion magazines. Okay. But 
I didn't know that was a job. Like yeah. no one told me that you could go work in a magazine. I mean, obviously you can, but like in my mind, I had no idea. Even though, you know, the masthead in the beginning of a magazine tells you what every person does, like didn't register. So, you know, I was good in science and I loved aesthetic and I was like, oh, I can combine, you know, my love for aesthetic with science and become a plastic surgeon. So, you know, guidance counselors back then, there were no creative jobs. Like you were a doctor, teacher, lawyer. Exactly. It was, so that's what I went to college to do. And I bought this, like, I have it here somewhere. This coffee table book, it was called Models Manual by Arthur Elgort. Well, two crazy things that happened. So one, the back of my door was Vogue magazine's Anna Windhorst first magazine cover by a stylist, Carlene Cerf de Duzio. So keep that data point. Then the book I bought to have in high school to be like, cool, I'm in the fashion industry in my mind, was Arthur Elgort's Models Manual, which I took to college. I was doing a summer internship at a hospital and I was like, this is not going to be my life. This is just not going to be my life. I am miserable going to a hospital every day. I, this, I just don't want to be here. In truth, at the same time, my grandmother was living with us and she was on her decline. So I felt like I, was, I had a hospital in my home and I was going to a hospital for this internship. And I feel like, and I think, you know, life as a career, life exploration is your podcast. Like, I think when you get that pit in your stomach, when you're like, this feels wrong. Like, I don't feel good about this. So I told my parents that I didn't want to be a doctor. And then I ended up applying for internships at Harper's Bazaar and hoping that I would like get my foot in the door. And actually, my cover letter said... I've spent my entire life loving fashion, reading your magazine. My room is wallpapered in it, but I went down this other path and I hope you will help me correct it. So I was super transparent in the fact that I have no experience. Like I offer nothing other than love of fashion. And, you know, the right person read that letter and gave me, gave me a chance. But later when I went to Mary Claire for my real job in accessories editorial, Carlene surfed to do deal ended up being my boss, oh, no the fashion way. director of that magazine. Yeah. So that was eighth grade yeah. to 22 years old. Wow. Full circle. Wow. There you go. Yes. There you go. A couple of things that strike me there. I mean, on this program, as you know, I mean, life as I'm, I'm constantly speaking with professionals and more times than not, it, the career pathways are similar to that. They're completely nonlinear. You know, people exploring, going on down this path finding a, a little bit more about themselves, what they truly want. You know, sometimes they go down these pathways, not for themselves, but for others, or, you know, there, there's a myriad of reasons why these things unfold the way they do. But ultimately, they sort of figure out, nah, this is not for me, but this is who I'd like to become. And they shift out of it. And it sounds like that's kind of how things went for you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then later, later, just a funny other thing that was full circle, later in my career, when I'm already an executive, I was hiring a photographer for a shoot and I was interviewing this amazing fashion photographer named Sophie Elgort. And I realized Sophie Elgort's dad is Arthur Elgort, <laughs> who was the model's annual book from yeah. high school. Wow. Wow. Kind of blows yeah. your mind, doesn't it? Yeah. It is kind of crazy. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. I think it's, you know, quite inspirational for listeners. And also too, I think it, it just, it allows people to, to, to understand that some of these choices that they make aren't permanent. You know, you can double back. You can For go. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's power to that. For sure. Absolutely. 
All right, well, I've got another segment here at Q&A Discovery. And uh, I see on your LinkedIn banner a quote, and I think it's a, it's a nice one to launch in this conversation on the personal branding side. And it reads as, having a personal brand is no longer a choice. It's a requirement. And uh, yeah, maybe we could launch into a discussion on personal branding based off of that. Yeah, the world has changed. And I would say one of the biggest changes, and actually to even tag on to the question you asked earlier, like Harvard Business Review's May issue was, it was all personal branding. Like literally, this is the world we live in now. And it's uncomfortable for people to come to terms with the fact that they can't just have skills and they can't just have the job, they have to have the whole packet. And the reason why it's not a choice and it's a requirement, I believe, is because we live in a world that is so incredibly noisy. We live in a world that is so competitive. We live in a world where layoffs happen all the time. We live in a world where most people either work hybrid or remote. The odds of becoming invisible, the odds of not being able to build the relationships we once had, the odds of not being able to earn the social capital that's the grease that helps you propel in your career, are so high that if you are not making sure that you are working on all of those things, you are at risk. And I think it applies to any industry, any age, any function, because people are consuming you regardless. You don't have to sit there and declare like, I'm going to go make a personal brand now. It's like people already have an opinion about your personal brand, right? And I think, Christopher, the easiest way for people that are like, I don't get it, or it's cringy, I get that a lot. If you think about when you open a Google Doc, okay, and you're about to start typing, what's the font that you choose? I don't know. I'm probably just going to go with something simple and basic, you know, Arial or even... Right. You always just always do Arial? Probably. I might switch over to something else, Century Gothic or something along those lines if I feel a little bit, I don't know. Okay. But, <laughs> but you look at it, you have a conscious, there's a feeling, there's an intuitive feeling toward, you look at a font, you're like, yeah, I want to write in that font today, or I'm not going to switch over to Century Gothic. So when something is on brand for you, you feel it deep inside. It's like how you react to something, right? Conversely, when you see something that's off-brand, like maybe Comic Sans, for example, right. yeah. you might be like, oh, I would never write a document in Comic Sans. So this idea of what is on brand, you know, it, it's not just what you say. It's not just what you don't say. It's not just what you do. Mm -hmm. It's also what you choose to align with, your energy, your mannerisms, your attitude. And all of that is up for judgment and consumption Within seven seconds of meeting you, that's how quickly someone makes an impression. Yeah. So to me, that says there, there's no choice in this scenario. You either are a proactive participant in your career and your personal brand, or you're just going to let stuff happen to you. And the problem is when you don't do the work to shape your narrative, people will make up their own version of your story. Yeah, there it is. This to me would ring true like... It's almost amplified in the day and age again, getting back to this digital world that we live in. I mean, there's just so much out there already, whether it's an article that's been printed about you or, you know, this or that. If you don't have, you know, your narrative 
on a platform like LinkedIn or elsewhere. I mean, it's going to create some some friction potentially there if you know things aren't aligning and if you're just sort of letting that narrative run its course without any guidance. Yes, I mean, I think that there's so many pressures, right? Yeah. So it's like, why not work on the thing that you can control? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And also, quite frankly, like as people mature and become more senior in their roles, a lot of people get very comfortable that they can do their job with their eyes closed. They can, they're, they're good. But that's exactly when you need to start thinking about how you're innovating in what you're doing because people become expensive. So if you're not working on your personal brand so people understand your value, you're a real easy person to cut. Or if you're a remote worker and you always have your camera off and you're never contributing ideas, you're a really easy person to cut when they have layoffs, right? So all of these things matter. Mm, I like that. I think it's great insights. In terms of like some of the mistakes that people make when they're attempting this, for example, they understand what you were just explaining there. That yes, I need to start doing this. But what, what would be some of the mistakes that people might make or a pitfall potentially to avoid? I spend a lot of time helping people get comfortable with the idea of sharing their wins in a way that signals to their network that they are moving up, they are accomplishing while at the same time, not alienating. And I think that's a really important distinction because no one wants to like see someone just talk about themselves all day and how amazing they are. That is, that is not the goal here. The goal is to really be strategic in the way you're communicating or be able to convey like what you're trying to do, right? Like how can people help you if they have no idea what you're trying to do? So at the end of the day, it's really communication. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. You know, again, you know, referencing this program and, and speaking with so many professionals on it, I'm finding that these days there's a lot of people that are using agencies to, for example, find podcasts for themselves to get onto, and they'll speak about what they're involved in, what they're doing. So one, they're building their brand and they're putting it out there, certainly, but they're not going on to LinkedIn or these other posts and say, hey, look at me, this is what I'm doing right now. Like there's, there's strategic approach to building their thought of leadership in a way that isn't, I don't know, for lack of a better word, braggy, you know, like they're having these natural conversations with somebody like myself or someone, you know, a, a program that fits their background and it allows them to speak on matters that they're one confident in. And then two, that shows, you know, the, again, their thought leadership, I suppose. Is that kind of what you're hinting at a little bit here as an example? I think that you raised a really great point, which is that the point of this is not to just talk about you. The point is my, my entire content strategy is usually in service of those who are watching or reading. So if I can share a learning or a tactic or something related to personal branding or marketing or social media, whatever it is, topic du jour, then I'm putting it out there. I'm a voice. I'm putting it out there, but I'm hoping that someone else benefits from it. And by doing so, the more you do that, rinse, repeat, the more you become known for a certain topic. So my first book, Leave Your Mark, was a career advice book. And I became known as, as a mentor. And still to this day, you can DM me a career question and I will answer it because I put myself out there as someone who really cares about people being able to progress in their careers. 
And I wrote that book because I can't have coffee with every single person that asked me for coffee back in the day. So the book has a coffee cup on the cover with red lips, which is my signature. But it it is about being of service. So in On Brand, I made it like a workbook style where there are these mental gymnastics exercises so that I actually help you think through like, okay, well, what would a content strategy be for me on LinkedIn versus on Instagram versus on TikTok versus in my office? I have a chapter that says, don't bring your whole self to work because your whole self is not appropriate for work. What parts of yourself can you bring that are going to be in service of your North Star goal of what you're trying to accomplish? So it's setting up those brand guardrails and understanding where you begin and where you end and what those content pillars are and really sticking to them. I have a really clear sense of my guardrails. And when something, when I'm about to post something on social media, I always ask myself, why am I posting this? What is my intention? I believe really strongly that the screenshot is more powerful than the delete button and that the internet is written in a Sharpie. So when you know your guardrails and you have this gut check of like, why am I posting this? What reaction do I hope to elicit? As long as you can answer that, you're good to go. And you're coming from a place of knowledge. People that just kind of like fly by the seat of their pants, like that's where you can get in a lot of trouble. And that your personal brand can affect every aspect of your life professionally. Absolutely. I like that. I like those insights. I think they're really, really helpful for for young people, for mid-career professionals and, you know, just about anyone really. And I think it also addresses that fact you've already brought up, you know, sort of like that, that cringe factor for some people who... You know, haven't been yeah. doing this, but when you're presenting it that way, when you're you're genuinely creating content or you're putting things out to help people, that, that's shifting it in a whole different direction that I think allows people to wrap their minds around it in a different way. It gets them off that track of, you know, posting every single accomplishment and like, hey, look at me, look at me. It's not about that, not at all, right? So no. I like that. No. I, I think it sort of demystifies, you know, this personal branding for people who don't have a, an awareness of it. Yeah, I do have this other question here too, and I think it's an interesting one. In researching for this talk, I came across uh, an interview, I think, with you online, and you were speaking about branding within big established companies. Because I think some people might just assume that, you know, personal branding is for an influencer or, you know, maybe a big time entrepreneur or somebody who's self employed, but you can be doing this whilst working for a big company. Maybe you could share a little bit of insight there. First of all, you did the best preparation for this interview ever. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Thank you for bringing that up. So one of my keynotes is how to establish a personal brand at work within a corporate structure. And the reason why this is probably more important than even doing it as an entrepreneur is because you are somewhere in a food chain. You are somewhere in a hierarchy. Your success depends on the person above you recognizing that you are great at what you do and you deserve to move up. So companies bring me in a lot of times before the year-end review process that they're starting with the teams to get people to start to be self-reflective on how they showed up this year. And one of the most important ways you can build a personal brand at work within a corporate structure is to proactively focus on earning social capital. 
And what that means is making sure that you are reliable, you do good work, people understand what you're great at, what your superpowers are, they can count on you to deliver on time. And you're also willing to raise your hand and say to a colleague, hey, I'm not that busy right now. Do you need help on that project? If someone works in a corporation where there's like internal mobility opportunities, the number one way to really raise the optics around what you do is to raise your hand and and pitch in on another team or another project where there's cross-pollination and start building a reputation for yourself. Because a lot of promotions are by committee in a lot of companies. It's not just your boss that needs to say, oh yeah, he's great. It might be a team of people that have to be like, yes, I worked with Christopher on this project or someone's else like, oh yeah, actually Christopher was really great to work with on this project. So it needs to be that like, in a way, it's like your own mini political campaign mm. to make sure people around you like you and they want to work with you and they want to pull you into projects. And there's so many more tactics in on brand, but that one really sticks out to me. And I did write for Harvard Business Review, the importance of earning social capital, especially as a remote or hybrid employee. So that's a great little like tactical piece on things you can do to make sure that you are. Another really easy tactic, keep your camera on. Keep your camera on. Have eye contact, be engaged, come to a meeting with ideas, be prepared. Like these are just easy things. It sounds like 101, like of course, but you know how many people don't do that? Right, right, exactly, yeah. Like it's actually easy to be a star because so many people are so mediocre. It's truth. It's interesting. You think it would be obvious. Yeah, you think those things would be obvious, but I don't know. Day and age we're living in, maybe <laughs> some people aren't exactly. Well, I think it's not that people maybe don't know, it's that they don't deem it important. So, even, you know, visual identity, for example, obviously my background's in fashion. Like, I think about how I'm showing up for a meeting because I care about the meeting. I'm not going to show up to your podcast and, like, you know, a sweatshirt's rolling out of bed, like I'm like doing you a favor. Like I'm showing up and showing you that I care about being recorded and being on your show. So those are things that even post pandemic have slipped a lot Hmm. in corporate culture. There is definitely room for improvement. That's interesting. I I, I wouldn't have assumed it would have been that dramatic or that noticeable on on that side of things. Yeah. You know what? One of the largest luxury groups hired me to do an on-brand workshop talk in their company. And before I I do these talks, I always meet with the people team or whoever's hiring to be like, what problem are you trying to solve right now? And they were like, honestly, like our employees have lost a level of professionalism of how they're showing up. We have internal mobility and people are interviewing for jobs and they're like showing visually that they don't really see the seriousness of being considered for that. And I'm like, what does that mean? Showing up in a sweatshirt, showing up in, and and listen, every industry is different, right? So there's industries where showing up in a sweatshirt is probably fine. But for the most part, it's this lapse of caring, mm-hmm. right? It's this lapse of caring how you're showing up. So they gave me a laundry list of things that I then reverse engineered to 
be able to put back out in the workshop. So in a way, it's like a way for the people team not to be the bad guys. And I can come in as someone unrelated to whip the team back into shape. Okay. I've got this other question that's kind of related to what we were just speaking of. In terms of, I guess, personal branding within a company, like you were just speaking about it, within the, the actual confines of the office, perhaps, and with the relationships of the people within the building. But people might be curious about the possibilities of branding yourself, say you're working for a company like Nike or you know this big corporate structure outside of the building, say on Instagram, say on LinkedIn, the possibilities there as well. What, what would you say to that? So it is mutually beneficial. You have to first and foremost know your company's social media policy. You have to know your company's media policy. That is a must. I wrote in On Brand and also in my first book, Leave Your Mark, don't suffer from last name syndrome. And last name syndrome is when you work for a credible company, like you work for Nike or I worked for DKNY back in the day, and you associate your entire identity with that company. To the point that it's it's great, there's lots of perks, right? You're leveraging the credibility of where you work. Lots of great things can come from that. But there's also the, well, what happens when you don't work there anymore? So the reason why I wrote On Brand is because I want people to think about building equity in their name as the priority. You can absolutely be proud of where you work, you know, on social media, sharing your expertise, things like that. You're not sharing something that's proprietary. You're not sharing something that you shouldn't be. But at the same time, someone with a strong personal brand online, like let's say Christopher from Nike is like a genius marketer online on LinkedIn and shares all marketing, you know, learnings from his career well, that helps Nike say, hey, we've got this great person who's like followed by everyone for his insights. You know, so brands don't need to be afraid of that. That when brands start to get threatened, you have to really think to yourself, am I being squashed as an individual? Because you know what? My name's not on the door. Your name's not on the door of Nike. You know, so we have to think about ourselves and we have to think about what's next. Mm. Yeah. And I would assume as well, I mean, to be honest, like those companies are going to lose talent that way too. We do live in a world where people have multiple side hustles. So yes, I, I do think that, you know, the the one note job is is not a thing in 2024. Yeah. Agreed. Got this other question here. You know, again, in referencing a lot of your past experiences, high level execution, thought leadership, all these wonderful things, you know, that said, we're all human. We all have these these moments in our careers and our lives where, you know, things don't go as planned. They don't go perfectly love to know if you have any recollection of a moment in your own career where, you know, maybe things didn't turn out the way you'd hoped, but all the same in whatever setback that might have been, it propelled you forward in some manner. Listen, in on brand, I'm the first case study. You know, I I don't want to spoil the story, spoiler alert, but there was something very specific that happened to my very long-standing role. I was there for 17 years. I was highly successful. I built this world-famous social media personality. I got a book deal out of it. And then something very specific happened where all of a sudden it was like very clear I needed to leave the company. So when that happened, if you would have asked me months prior, oh, are you going to stay at Donna Karen forever? I would have been like, yes, I'm going to stay at Donna Karen forever because it was such an incredible experience and such a family. But after that moment, I 
I was like, wow, like I need to completely change gears. So, you know, when you leave a role after 17 years, like I'll never forget on that first Monday of just like no job and like waking up, you do have a little bit of an identity crisis because you're like, wait, like what, who am I now? Who am I now? I don't have a corporate title. I'm no longer this famous social media personality. I don't work for LVMH. I don't have a garment allowance. I don't have an expense account. You know, all the things that matter. And you start to sort of like lose yourself a little bit. So in the book, my story is, is the first case study. And then I bring in a lot of experts in different, in different core competencies throughout the book. But I really share a lot about my own thought process of how I kind of worked through that. Because I think we all have these setbacks or these moments of just like, wow, I thought I was like here, but like, actually I'm like, not. This idea of the setback is also so important for people to be aware of like when it's creeping up on you. So like maybe signs are on the wall. Maybe I should start, you know, updating my resume. Like that kind of feeling is really important to pay attention to. So listen, I think leaving was scary. I did for a moment doubt myself. And then I had to remind myself that the skills and experience that I've learned over 17 years are mine, no matter where I work. And I take that with me anywhere. And that's a really, really important learning. Yeah. I mean, we have setbacks all the time and I think we're always stronger for them. Yeah. Yeah. I really like that point. And thanks for sharing that. Sometimes it's not easy, you know, to, to dive back into some of those recollections, but it's an interesting yeah. point though. Like, you know, your identity isn't the place where you're working for. And I think that's what you're alluding to. Like that, that can trip a lot of people up. I mean, 17 years is 17 years. Like you almost yeah. by default, it becomes you. But in reality, like you yeah. just said, outlined like the skills and abilities, that is you. That, that, that's who you are. Yeah. And those are transportable. Like exactly. you go elsewhere, they're going to be useful, you know, wherever you go. But it's so easy to slip into that mindset of like, well, you know, I'm attached to the company itself. And I'll give you a one really tactical way that people can do that today, which is every single person listening to this episode should go to LinkedIn and look at their headline. If their headline is title at company X, you are suffering from last name syndrome because that is not your identity. I am an award-winning marketer, an author, a podcaster, a global mentor. It doesn't matter where I work. It doesn't matter who my clients are. That is how I identify myself. So if you look at your headline, are you building equity in your skills and experiences or are you building equity in the company that you work at? Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's such a fine distinction, but such a critical one to be aware of and to yeah. really yeah, position yourself. All right. Well, I do have one more question in this segment here. This one's returning to you, you know, on the personal side of things here. I mean, I can definitely pick up on the passion, you know, that, that is certainly there in terms of what you're all about and what you're doing. But from your perspective, I mean, how would you assign value to your work? I mean, looking back on it and making sense of it all and, and, and what you're part of, you know, what, what would you say to that? What do you mean assign value? I guess like the value that you're giving to the world, your contributions. For example, like if we're fast forwarding and you're about to hang things up and you're, you're, you're done, you're looking back on your career, you know, and, and what you've right. contributed, like more of a philosophical look at where, yeah, yeah, I'm okay. kind of going big picture on you here, but 
Yeah. I think it's, a, it's an so, interesting question because it kind of it returns to the present real quick for a lot of people too, where they can sort of like see what they've been part of, what the past, presently what they're doing yeah. and maybe down the line what they'd still like to do. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really honored to be credited as a pioneer in social media. I mean, Taylor Lorenz, who has wrote the book Extremely Online to document the history of the internet as it relates to social media credits DKY PR Girl truly as the first. So I think what I have given to this internet culture is the idea of a social media personality that isn't the designer, isn't the owner, is, is literally made up because that wasn't, it just wasn't a thing back then. Like this is 2009. Yeah, right. It really wasn't a thing. So I've done that. And I think I've also, I have helped a lot of people navigate their careers through my book, Leave Your Mark, my podcast, Leave Your Mark, and now with On Brand, helping people really start to see themselves in a different way. Yeah. 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 It's got to yeah. be fulfilling. I mean, it's that, that, that unto itself has to be fulfilling because that's, that's changing people's lives and trajectories in so many different ways. And it's empowering yeah. too, right? So. Yeah. And I think, I think we all have a responsibility to share what we've learned with each other and to not gatekeep stuff. I've got this last segment here, a crystal ball segment, as the name implies, we're looking towards the future of trends, predictions, so on and so forth. And, you know, we've chatted a lot about like, you know, the digital world, the digital realm and social media, a big tool for personal branding. And, you know, as you know, better than most, perhaps these platforms, they come, they go. And even the platforms that are still here are changing and shifting. Like the rules of engagement mm -hmm. are, are constantly, you know, altering themselves. So in terms of like best practices and all these things, constantly in a state of flux, what would be some like fundamentals, you know, in terms of people engaging with these tools to build a personal brand that, that they can kind of carry over that, that almost like golden rules, if you will. One, I go into this in extraordinary depth in on brand. The rule of thumb is don't put your eggs in one basket. These are audiences that you're renting. You do not own them. If Instagram disappeared tomorrow, is your business gone? Is your brand gone? So really thinking about that, making sure that you have a solid foundation. And if you wouldn't feel comfortable seeing what you post as a full page ad in the New York Times, don't post it. There you go. Some sound advice yeah. right there. Well, I've got to say, this might be a nice point to wrap things up here, Lisa, but it's been a true pleasure. I've really enjoyed all of your insights. I know listeners are really, really going to enjoy this. So thanks again for joining the program. Christopher, this was such a great conversation. You asked fantastic questions. So thank you so much for having me on. Now, for those interested in learning more about Aliza and her work, you can do so via her personal website. You can also find her on platforms like LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, X, or Twitter, and even threads. And all of these links will be in the show notes. And hey, if you like today's show, please be sure to tell a friend and share. To show further support, you can always rate, review, and subscribe wherever you access your podcasts. And as I mentioned off the top, head on over to YouTube. I do have that channel over there, lifeaza. where you can check out highlights of these audio recordings. And if you do go over there, I would love, love, love that like or subscribe. And finally, don't forget to join us on the next episode of Life as a, where we'll continue to explore and unearth the details of professions and the people behind them. I'm your host, Christopher Schoenwald. Until next time, stay curious about life and living.